The Selfish Path to Romance. Download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com. And I want to welcome Melody to the phone right now. Melody? Yes, I'm here. Oh, yes. You you have something you want to touch base with? Yes. I called you, Dr. Oh, it's probably been 10 weeks, maybe three months ago. And I told you that my husband had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and I was oh, yes. yeah. concerned, scared. Yeah. And um, my question to you was, uh, I, did, did you think it was correct to ask for a second opinion? Yeah. And I was afraid to ask for a second opinion. I'd asked the doctor, and he had just kind of... Um, ignored it. I yeah. think I want a psychologist, or not a psychologist, a neurologist. Very good. To read the x-rays and the MRIs and all that. He said, well, the MRIs won't change. Yeah. And I said, I know that, but it's a different mindset, a different mind, a different training, a different set of eyes to look at that MRI. Yeah. And so you encouraged me to get that second opinion. Yeah. And my husband and I did travel to a large city. Yeah. And we met with a neurologist, and she said, you are absolutely correct. He does not have Alzheimer's. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so she said, now, <clears throat> so they tested him every which way. Uh, she said the test that they ran on him, uh, she said, first of all, I work with people. I don't work with MRIs. Yeah. And I think your husband is showing some test anxiety as I'm working with him. But she said, after all, he is believing that he has Alzheimer's. Yes. So we have some work to do. So anyway, long story short, she wrote on her pad, uh, yeah. no Alzheimer's, no dementia. Wow. Possible, possible mood disorder. Uh-huh. But we can't know that until he's been off of his Aricept medication mm-hmm. for three months. So she sent us home, and she said, go home. And she said, you need to, you need to learn to be confident. Mm-hmm. And my husband said, competent? And she said, oh, no, sir, you have been competent all your life. You have just lost your confidence. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So we're in that process now, but I wanted to thank you for encouraging us to get that second opinion because I knew I knew I needed to do it, and I was making the decisions for him, really, because <clears throat> that's just the way it is after you've been married forever. Right. And someone is sick. I mean, I was, you know, running the show. Right. And um, anyway, so we are back home. We have the the diagnosis, and we are waiting for the medicines to leave his system, and then to see um, whether or not there might be a mood disorder. Okay. Don't know. One of the que- one. Um, go ahead. You have a question. Go ahead. Well, the thing was, he was having a. She said he was having what doctors call an exquisite um, reaction to the medication that they had given him, which was an um, antidepressant. And she said, it's unusual, not too many people react like this, but he did. Okay, so it was a complication of the medication. And if, I mean, man, if someone told me, Ellen, what you have is not uh, Alzheimer's, but you have a confidence problem, I'd love to work on my confidence problem. Right. Well, you know, he just, you know, he was going around thinking, oh, my God, it's over. I've got Alzheimer's. And she said, no, you don't. But anyway, uh, we went to a big university research to to do this, and they will now follow him um, every six months. And he has donated his um, body for right now, at least, uh, for research. And every year they will be running tests on him and watching what's going on. Oh, well, that's and nice. You get you some... Know, and he said, they said, we're just going to watch you age. And he said, oh, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, but she said, 
you know, she said both you and Melody have a chance, 50-50, of having Alzheimer's when you're 85. Yeah. But you're only 72, so go have a good 13 years and we'll talk <laughs> okay. later. I love that. I, she sounds yeah. like a lot of fun. So listen. She was, and she was a very, and, you know, it was kind of hard, so we had to go back to our first doctor and tell him that he was wrong. And what did he say? He said, I am delighted. I wish I was wrong more often. Oh, okay. So he accepted it gracefully. He, he did, and, yeah. and we were scared because we're not we we don't like confrontation. Most right. people don't, I guess. Right. And uh, so we kind of psyched ourselves up before we went in, and we said, "Okay, this doctor really is our employee. We yeah. have hired him to help us have good health." Right. And so now we have to face him. So right. we went in, and we thought he would give us a huge argument and tell us how wrong we were. But um, he said, no, he said, I, I don't understand it the way I look at it. I mm-hmm. still think there's a problem here. But he said, I will, you know, whatever. She, the woman who talked to us was a relatively young, uh, young doctor, well-trained um, at the university and a neurologist. And I felt like I had to take her diagnosis right, over right. At, uh, and he, and he had a battery of tests, too. It wasn't just an MRI. Listen, right. your, his speaking up and your speaking up to the original doctor is mm-hmm. one of the ways you build confidence. You're not afraid of the world. You can speak up. You can face some things that feel a little risky to do, right. um, but right. that are not dangerous. And right. so that took courage, and that's part of the building the confidence. The other thing I would recommend, if they're trying to rule out a mood disorder, I would get okay. a jump start on that. And I would learn cognitive therapy skills in advance so that you don't mask um, so it doesn't look like a mood disorder when he just gets, he doesn't know how to manage some emotions uh, properly. So you could get the book Mind Over Mood. Okay. It's by Den- It's on my website, drkenner.com, D-R-K-E-N-N-E-R.com. Uh, by I've been there. <laughs> okay, Dennis Greenberger and Christine Podetsky. And what that does is it teaches you how to how to decode your emotions. So if I'm feeling really angry, because I know cognitive therapy, I know that that means I'm experiencing an injustice. Something's not fair. If I'm feeling sad, I know that I'm experiencing a loss. If I'm very sad, it means a big loss. So I can ask myself, what's the loss? If I'm feeling um, guilty, it means I acted against my own moral standards. So when did I do that? And notice I can, if I'm feeling anxious, it means I'm dealing with uncertainty or self-doubt. When you learn cognitive therapy skills, you're not a mystery to yourself anymore. You can read your emotions. You can learn how to know what the thoughts are that are driving the emotions. And if the thoughts are irrational, you can change them. Okay. So it's called mind over... Mind over mood. There are many many different cognitive therapy techniques, but that one is wonderful. So listen, I want to thank you so much for calling. That's so much fun, Melody. Yeah. Well, you you had been so encouraging, and you had told me, you know, that... um, if if it, the diagnosis were correct, that I would we would need to grieve together, and then I would need to form a right. parallel life, and, right. and I had all that in my. Well, I, you have that for when you're 96 form. years old. You guys can do that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, listen. Thank you so much for the call. Okay, uh, thank, thank you. you. And here's a little more from Dr. Kenner. My home life is unsatisfying. Allison says. She wants to run away because her home life is unsatisfying. Well, everyone's home life is unsatisfying. 
yeah, yeah, I understand, but I think hers goes beyond what you know, guys like you and me consider normal unsatisfying. And, you know, we all complain about our childhoods. You know, there's something, I wish mom had done this, or why did dad do this? And sometimes it's just the run-of-the-mill problems between parents and kids and uh, your parents could have used more assertiveness skills or maybe some better listening skills and you could have used them too and you just say ho-hum you know it's a learning experience and hopefully as you mature you get along better with your parents and um, and remember the good things that happen too but sometimes that's not the case sometimes you grew up in an abusive household and it's a nightmare going home and you want to stay at school later or go to friends homes or hang out any place but to go home where there's arguments or the silent treatment or fighting or whatnot and how do you deal with that how do you chronically live with that situation and still keep alive your passion, your desire to enjoy your life and carve out a life for for yourself? And how do you deal with the trauma after you move out of the house? Many people still keep the same rules that they grew up with. They carry it into adult life and they don't know how to challenge them. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner. That was from The Breakfast Club. For more Dr. Kenner podcast. Go to drkenner.com and please listen to this ad. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance by Dr. Ellen Kenner. People frequently blame their partner for a lack of intimacy, but it is not always the partner's fault. Some people truly fear intimacy. Having a fragile sense of self, they feel vulnerable to being hurt, ridiculed, or rejected. Such individuals are chronically anxious. Paradoxically, they may also cling to their partner for security, not for intimacy, and make unreasonable narcissistic demands. Some reject intimacy because they fear valuing, wanting, or desiring. They may be emotionally repressed or feel guilty. Valuing, they fear, is too risky or too self-assertive. They may have spent their lives pleasing others or may have been hurt in the past, falsely concluding that it's safer not to pursue or to have personal values. You can download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com and you can buy the book at amazon.com.